Career Day Live is a Stop Clowning Around production. You can learn how Stop Clowning Around helps people succeed in life and career by mastering the art of connection and relationships by visiting StopClowningAround.com or Facebook.com forward slash StopClowningAround. Do you enjoy binge-watching courtroom dramas? Or do you enjoy the sensation of the finger tapping the keyboard? If so, today's job profile might be ideal for you. Today we speak with Erica Schuster about the world of being a court reporter, the importance in the world of law, and the fact that there is a great need for court reporters today. Erica, thank you for joining us and uh, sharing a little bit about your life and the role that you have. If you would, go ahead and take a moment to tell us what is it that you do and how did you get there? Thank you for having me. Um, I am a freelance court reporter. I actually had a court reporter visit us in high school. And um, at the time, my favorite class was a typing class. I didn't really like English or math or um, any of those subjects. My favorite class was the typing class. And, of course, I'm a little bit older now, so um, it was actually typing on typewriters. Um, but this court reporter came to our school and um, did a demonstration, and I just fell in love with it and researched it and thought that that's what I wanted to do. Um, I put it on the back burner, though, because I asked my parents, and they knew nothing about it, and they had this idea that you can't make any money, and that technology is going to make it go away, and everything else. So I listened to their advice and just kind of shut it and put it in the back burner and went on to college and uh, studied other things. Actually, I was going to be a speech pathologist. I went to school for a couple of years for that, and then decided that that wasn't my route, and that wasn't my path and what I really wanted to do. I kept going back to court reporting. So I actually, but I was older then and thought, I'm just going to research it more and found out that actually it was great money. There was great opportunities in it. And uh, it was going to be around for a really long time. Technology wasn't going to take it over. So um, I decided to switch my major and go to school for that. I have three questions immediately, so now i got to write them because I can't okay. ask all three. But the first one I really want to ask <laughs> is you started with your title by saying you're a freelance court reporter. Are right. all court reporters freelance, or is this just something you chose as a part of your career? Well, there are different avenues of court reporters or stenographers. A uh, freelance court reporter is kind of the court reporter that does everything outside of the courtroom. Um, I don't go to the courtroom. I do depositions, um, examinations under oath, and things like that. All like the pre-trial stuff that is held outside of the courtroom. Um, the official court reporter does the courtroom things, the things that are in the courtroom, and they are actually hired by like the state or the federal government, or they, you know, those are like official jobs. 
that those are held inside the courtroom. Um, other avenues of court reporters is you can actually be um, the closed captioner person. Um, there's uh, cart reporting where actually, um, like not too long ago, I actually went and took my laptop and was at a here um, a funeral for a late deafened man whose wife had died. Well, he doesn't know sign language because he was late deafened. And so um, I was able to capture the funeral on my laptop or, you know, it was, he read it off of the laptop. So he felt like he was more involved and that's called um, cart reporting, computer aided real time technology. So um, those are, there's just several avenues that you can branch into, but I am in the freelance portion of it where I just do everything kind of outside of the courtroom. So the way I understand it then, law firms, attorneys would hire you directly to assist them as they're preparing for their particular cases. Correct. I work for a court reporting firm, uh, a litigation firm. They actually do more than court reporting. They do videographer. They they do a, a mix of things. But yeah, the law firm call contacts my company and then my company has court reporters that they contract with. We're actually all self-employed. Um, we don't actually work for them. We just, we work with them and we're self-employed and um, contractors. Well, tell me a little bit about what a typical day or a typical week might look like. I'm assuming with what you do, there's probably some flexibility to it, or at least it seems like there would be to me. But I don't want to put words in your mouth. What does the life right. of a court reporter actually look like? Okay. Well, I've done both. I was actually a freelance reporter for a while. And, of course, that's more of your you know, nine to five. Um, you're not always in the courtroom kind of thing, but you're always at the courthouse. Versus with the freelance, it is it can be very flexible. I know a lot of freelance um, court reporters, especially when they're raising kids, they do this part-time. Um, essentially what I do is, um, the Wednesday with my company, uh, the Wednesday before the next week, I give them my availability for the week so I can schedule appointments or whatever. I mean, I, they can't make me work because I'm a contractor. They can, you know, say, please, we really need you guys these days, but you know, they can't like say you have to work. So the Wednesday before I give them my availability, what I am available the next week to work and they schedule around that. So um, essentially on Friday, I will get what I'm going to work on Monday. Um, and then Monday night, I will get what I'm going to work on Tuesday. So sometimes I, even though I said I'm available to work, they won't have work for me, but a lot of times that they, they do, but I just, I usually learn like the night before when I'm working the next day. So it makes it kind of hard to schedule some things. Um, but then again, all I have to do is like let them know in advance, especially like the Wednesday before is preferable if I let them know what I'm available the next week. It, it's kind of hard. It's it's harder to, to ask off last minute, like um, if you're sick or something like that, because um, court reporters are very... Um, they're they're getting more rare. There, it's like we have a shortage of them. So once they get a job covered, it's hard to get it recovered at you know at the last minute. So that makes it harder. But the scheduling aspect of it, if you do it 
you know, at least a day or day or two in advance, it, it is very flexible. So explain, it, it absolutely <laughs> does. And I want you to explain to me, I understand theoretically what a court reporter does. You're in essence documenting everything being said, putting it in that word format. But are you really using a keyboard that most people are familiar with? Or is it some other technology that you're using to make it all happen? Right. It is some other technology. It is um, a stenograph machine. I think there's 22 keys on it. Um, you just learn. It's kind of a shorthand language. You're not typing letter by letter. You're more typing sound by sound. Um, and in, the technology has gotten really advanced in it to where you can even assign certain keys keystrokes to mean anything you want it to mean and, and essentially i mean you can make uh a, a like an instance like a, a phrase you could have you type in one stroke a p and a p and it means preponderance of the evidence so you're only striking you know one little thing but it's a whole sentence of words um you just have to train the software and train your brain to recognize what those things are but once it's complicated, it becomes, but it's fun. <laughs> I would think it takes a while to learn, but I would also think it's a little bit of a muscle memory, both mentally and physically. Once you get it down, it's fairly natural. Um, right. And, and just is is free flowing. It is. Yeah. Now I like type in my sleep. You know, I'm typing in my head all the time. It's just, yeah, your your finger is just kind of like riding a bike. You just know how to do it. It just. It just goes, and I, I get stumped occasionally when there's a hard word, and I'm like, how do I type that? But I type it mainly phonetically that way, and then I'm like, if it doesn't translate in my software, then I will just fix it later. I'm kind of going out of order on this interview than I, I do in other mm -hmm. ones, but I, you're, you're taking me there, and I feel they're very important questions to help us understand what this even means. So there's software on the back end that helps take everything that you input and brings it out into what most of us can understand. I'm familiar with Dragon Dictation. I utilize that sometimes as I'm creating content, and instead of trying to write it physically with my fingers, sometimes it's just easier for me to verbally talk it through, and so I'll utilize that as a dictation tool. I'm kind of curious, with technology coming as far as it has, and I know there's there's a long way for it to go, you mentioned that you okay. don't see technology technology really taking away this role anytime in the near future. Can you explain why? Yeah, there's several reasons why. I mean, with the dictation software, you know, from experience, you have to, you have to speak perfectly and you have to, you know, and you know, things won't translate and you, but you try the best you can and you can fix it later. Well, this world is not perfect when they're, these people are in the in the deposition. You know, it mostly it's it's a room. They're not talking directly in there. They have accents, or sometimes people make up words. I mean, it's just um, sometimes the acoustics are horrible. Um, I, I do a lot of um, depositions in prisons where you know it's not a perfect environment with per everything is perfect. Um, I just did a um, 
like a medical quality review hearing. Well, they couldn't find a court reporter in Chicago. So they had me in Springfield and they're over this horrible sounding system. And I had, you know, I had to speak up and ask, I I don't understand you. It was a, a, a doctor with an accent and I did not understand him. I didn't hear him. He was mumbling. And I'm like, I have, I can't understand you. You're going to have to repeat that. I'm sorry. You're going to have to speak slower and louder. I mean, technology can't do that. They can't, even if it's the best technology. I mean, there are, there's so many things like this week. I've had computer issues where my, my, um, my software, it records when it, and I'm typing also, but the recording was horrible. Well, I didn't know until after the fact. I mean, the, these, uh, the, Attorneys and judges rely on us and rely on the technology to be perfect. And there's just no room for errors that technology provides, I guess. I mean, there, there's just so many things that can go wrong, even with the best software. Um, there's just not the perfect situation for it to, to work, to be in. That, that makes a lot of sense. And so the way I, again, I understand it is, in what you're doing, the information or the accuracy of that information is of the highest importance. So they rely on you to ensure that it is as accurate as possible. And probably due to the fact that, you know, I'm thinking from a judge's perspective, our minds, as brilliant as they are, when it comes to listening and remembering, we're actually not real strong at that skill set. So it's what you do is a tool for the judges, other attorneys, I assume, to really remember what was actually said versus what their mind is thinking they heard. That's correct. And then also, um, like I said, it's for uh, like tr- um, trial prep. It might They might switch attorneys in the meantime. Though this attorney needs to be caught up to speed. The attorney might not have even been there or for appeal purposes where it's going to the appellate court and the appellate judge and new attorneys need to look and see what happens in the case that weren't even there. And so, I mean, it has to be perfect, essentially. Well, Erica, I want to ask, what do you actually like about this job? I mean, you've shared a lot of things that sound very interesting to me, but when it comes right. to day-to-day, week-to-week, what is it that puts a smile on your face and keeps you going and say, keeps you saying, I, I like what I do and I want to do this for a long time? Um, I'd say I, it's just interesting. I hear so many interesting things. I mean, there are very boring things, of course. Um, get into, you know, typical car case or, you know, things like that. Um, and it's maybe not that interesting, but just very interesting. And it's always, I don't hardly go to the same place every day. I don't know where I'm going. So that's kind of exciting. Where, where am I going to be today? Am I going to be in prison today? Am I going to be in a, you know, fancy um, office building on the 15th floor? Am I going to be, you know, it's just, it's very, it can be very exciting, very interesting. Um, You just meet all sorts of people. I don't have that like office camaraderie, you know, I work with my best friends kind of thing because I literally see, I rarely see the same people over and over again Um, because I go to a different place every day and occasionally I'll go to the same places, but, you know, and I work with the same attorneys, but our firm is so big. We just, we're everywhere. And then we do all of our editing at home. 
so I don't go to our office. So um, I like that. I like to be able to to do the editing at home. Um, I like the ability that I'm self-employed. So if I, like, in a couple of weeks, I'm going on a vacation, I don't have to worry about, oh, I only have this many days off or, you know, I, you know, I have to, like, limit the amount of time I'm going to be there because I have to, you know, have PTO or I don't have any of that. Self-employed, I just like tell them, hey, I just, I need this week off or I need this half a week off and I just get it off. And then I, at tax time, I like the tax benefits because I am a 1099 employee and um, I get a lot of tax breaks. I want to keep this thing fun because I have to ask a question now that I think everybody's asking themselves or thinking. I know that you probably hear a lot of boring things. And I know that many of us watch a lot of these crime shows or these court shows on TV. And I am sure that that is not realistic to what you encounter on a day-to-day basis. But do you ever get shocked? And then also, along with that, is it kind of part of your role to conceal those emotions when something shocking or surprising is said and it, you just weren't expecting it? How do you not react to that? I think it's just the years of of me doing it. Um, I know that, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. And, but sometimes, though... It doesn't hit me until later because I'm like more processing the words than I am processing the content. And then when I go back later and listen to it when I'm at home, then it hits me more, you know, when I'm editing it and really reading again, what, what happened. It's like, I, I understand it more than we're in the moment moment. I'm just kind of processing words sometimes, but you know, sometimes I do, um, I, I do think, oh my gosh, I can't believe they just said that. Or, or you know, I know for a while I did a lot of um, like children's sexual abuse cases, and that really bothered me in the beginning. But then I just kind of got, which is sad, but I just kind of got numb to it. I just, you know, hearing the same things over and over again, even though it was horrible and it was traumatic, it's just like you just kind of it makes you paranoid. You know, I'm like, <laughs> my kids aren't going anywhere with anybody. I don't even care who you are, but, um, you know, you just kind of get, I guess, numb to it. And so your reactions aren't as, as shocked. You're not as shocked, I guess. Just over time, you, After. you get used to it. I think that may lead yeah. into kind of another thought. You, you mentioned how, um, Maybe when you do hear stuff, it it also causes you to understand how grim the world really can be, at least in some ways. Is that one of the downsides of the job is maybe there's a little bit more of a um, pessimistic viewpoint of humanity at some points? Or is I I guess I know I'm putting words in your mouth, but are there things about this job that you don't necessarily love that you just want others to know, hey, this is a part of the job and you may not like it as much? Yeah, um, there are. Like, um, I, I'd say so it does kind of give you a pessimistic view sometimes of of 
people. Um, I, I don't know if that, sometimes it, it's just kind of like, I, I'm just rolling my eyes out. I'm like, whatever, you know, <laughs> that's kind of my, like, cause you know, you hear things and you're like, they are not telling the truth. You know, if you can't, I, you can't say anything and you think, oh my gosh, that person is just, I, I don't, I just don't, I don't even know how to, you know, even describe them. And so that, yeah, I mean, I do, but I, it's, you meet so many good people at the same time. So it kind of, it kind of balances it out. Yeah. Um, I guess the only thing that I really, I would like, I I really, really like my job. I really do. And I'm really pushing more court quarters to get into it because we have such a, a shortage. And I think that the, the, like the challenges we have right now is because of the shortage that it's harder, like the last minute to ask off. Like I literally couldn't find someone to cover me and I am like throwing my hands in the air and running to the bathroom and like puking and (laughs) running back in and saying, okay, let's get started again. I need a fan on. I mean, because there's nobody to take my place. Um, well, let's talk about this a little bit. You know, let, let's just dive right into that because if there's a shortage, that means there's an opportunity. Uh, there's a couple good oh, things a about this. Yeah. What, mm-hmm. A couple things about this that jump out to me is uh, really the whole concept of supply and demand. And in that concept right. of supply and demand is when there's less supply of court reporters and the demand is higher, I would assume that wages increase. Uh, and, and so that's probably good for you. I actually made a note when you was talking earlier, a lot of the younger generations um, actually enjoy more of a flexible job where it's, you know, they enjoy more of the freelance instead of having that nine to five. So I would I would think that is a perk of this job. But if you were to say, I've worked with a lot of people, what, what would you say is the perfect person personality type that actually does really well in this role? Um, I would say someone who is, they obviously like to type and like to edit. Um, someone who's like a good listener, um, that you have to have attention to detail. I mean, I can, look at something and see, okay, that word, that's what they said, but that doesn't really make sense. So you have to like look in the detail of more of, well, is that the correct word, even though that's what they said? And, um, cause you can like, you can put like a parenthetical after it that said, that's really what they said. So that doesn't look bad on you that they said this crazy word that doesn't even make sense. Um, so, I mean, you have to like really kind of, I don't even know how to, how to say it's kind of investigate a lot. Um, I, I find it actually kind of weird and thrill weird that I think it's so thrilling. Like if someone says this crazy word and I find it on Google or a spelling of a name and I find it and I'm just like, Oh, there it is. And it it clicks and it just makes me so happy. Like that is, you know, I can say a hundred percent that is, you know, the exact crazy word that they said. And um, so someone has to be, like like to do those kind of things to research things on the internet um and they have to be self-motivated 
because we, I mean, we are given a deadline of when the transcript has to be turned in to our company, but we're working from home. There's not someone standing over us and being like, okay, today you have to do this many pages. Tomorrow you do that many pages. So um, you have to be definitely self-motivated. Excellent. So now let's say that this sounds like me. And I really would like to look into it further. And you've already expressed that there is a need out there. There's an opportunity for someone to not only uh, get a job, but do pretty well in their career. What do I need to do? Do I do I go to school for this? Is it like a full-fledged degree program or is it more of a certificate type program? Well, whenever I went to school, it was a full-fledged degree program. I actually got my bachelor's degree in it, but um, the goals have kind of fallen away. Um, there are a couple of schools that are left out there. I actually think there is one in the St. Louis area, area, but it's gotten to be, it's more of a certificate program. Um, you just essentially have to get that speed up, get fast, um, and then in order to work, you have to pass like the, the state test. But the certificate programs help you to be able to get that speed and get to where you need to be all the training. So, so you, um, go, I'm sorry. Well, you, you just piqued an idea because I think a lot of times mm -hmm. when we put these episodes together, we are always thinking of the younger generations. But I believe there's a group set of, I'll call it more mature adults, who are in jobs that they're just not really happy with. It, they, How they got there really doesn't matter. But this really sounds like a job that one could transition into if they were in that position of being unhappy. So let's say I'm that 35 to 45-year-old that would like to transition. What advice would you give me to actually make that happen? Well, it's, it is, I'd say it's, not, it's not a really easy transition process, but it is. I mean, it's something that you can, a lot of programs are online now. I know I have a cousin who is, she is actually an airline stewardess and she doesn't make the money that she wants to make. And she's seeing how much money I make. And so she does it online and does it, you know, when she isn't working in the air. So it can be very flexible in that way, but it's not something I know I had someone contact me a couple of weeks ago and they thought it was, oh, it's just a certificate program. So that's something that I could just go and take a couple classes and I get it, but it's not like that. I mean, it's, it's probably for most people, a year and a half, two years of practicing and getting your speed up. And, you know, it's spending a lot of time in in that process. Um, but it's, it's, it can be flexible time. It can be whenever you want to do it, um, you know, you do these online programs. And there are some really good online programs out there um, in order to get it done. So um, I, think I, do, I don't want people to think that, that it's like I just I, I know how school wasn't easy. It was, it was hard. Um, there, we, we had to practice for hours every night, and we at the time, our stenograph machines had the paper that came out. Of course, they're all paperless now, and we had to turn in our paper every single day to show that we had actually spent hours practicing. 
And so it's something that can be done for someone who's transitioning, but it's something that takes dedication and time for them to do also. You know what I'm pulling out of this, Erica, is, is actually it's not just about learning something. It is about the physical practice. Your fingers must be able to work, uh, hit the right keys at a very quick speed. And that's actually right. what makes this extremely different. I, I'm not just going to a classroom and listening to something and taking a test over it. That practice, practice, right. practice is probably the most critical component of it uh, now that I hear you out. It is. Yes. Um, the state tests, I think, um, I know there are three three sections of the test, but the, the hardest section is you actually are typing for five minutes at 225 words a minute. And when you turn the transcript in, it has to be at 96 accuracy at least. Wow. And that's not using a tape recorder. I mean, that's going to give you five minutes and you, you, you know, you type it while, while they're saying it for five minutes and then, yeah, you turn it in 96% accurate in order to get certified. Impressive. Impressive. I think it's 96. <laughs> it's really high, whatever it is. Well, there, there's a question I always ask in every episode and I haven't asked it yet. I'm a little later in asking this question than I typically would be, but you mentioned, uh, someone, close to you sees an income you make. And again, I always want to be clear. I'm not asking you to share what you make, but in a broad right. range scenario, what can a court reporter make um, if they work close to full time? Now it's, it's different in um, freelance than it is in official, like official is a set rate. Um, that you get at the courthouse. And I think the starting rate for, I know when I, I worked in Illinois and I think Missouri is a little higher, I think starting rate is about 45000 but then you get full benefits and you get vacation days and things like that. But then you also get extra if you actually transcribe the transcript. Um, you get paid per page on those. So it probably equals out to be, I, I, I don't know, it's every, if it's a busy courthouse, maybe 50, 60 or higher. And then that's the starting after they've been there for years, it, it goes up. And I know some court reporters that they've joked or that I had had attorneys where they joked when I was in the, um, the official setting that the court reporter, after she'd been there for 20 years, 30 years had made, made more than the state's attorney. So, I mean, I can't officially say that, but, um, that's just what I had heard. Now with the freelance, we get paid per job, per hour, per page. It's like so many ways we get paid. So, um, and full time, it's like your definition of what full time is too. Um, like if you go out every single day and then transcribe at home, some people, they consider their full time as they go out like three days a week to do the jobs and then they do the editing on the other days. Um, and then it also, like the, the longer you've done it, the faster it takes you to edit. So it doesn't take you as many hours to edit as whenever you're first starting out. So, you know, what would take me, say, a 40 hour week would take a new person 60 hours, you know, because their editing time is different. So, there's so many variables, but I like that 
the more you work on the skill on your skill, the fat like the cleaner that you type. So there's less editing time, which helps to get your time down. And so it 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 like makes you to be able to take more jobs. Um, I'd say I think I've I've read somewhere when I was researching for this podcast, like the average court reporter makes like fifty or sixty thousand, I think. But that's because um, then they they like preface it with most court reporters work part time, and so that was taking that into account. I know that it's different. I mean, there are some months that, you know, it's kind of a slow month and I, I, I might make, I'd say three or $4,000. I don't know, but there are some months that I'm like, oh my gosh, I am so busy and it's so crazy. And it's been like an over a $10,000 month. It's just, it's kind of, I I call it like feast or famine. It's, <laughs> it's like, I hate to, sometimes I hate to take job when I'm so busy, but then I'm like, well, next month it may not be busy, but it seems like, and I have that mentality because I've been doing it so long. And it, it, whenever there was more court reporters, there's a lot more feast or more famine times. Now there's rarely any famine times, but I still have that like mentality in my brain. No, <laughs> I can't I say you. no. And, and that's, that's the nature so. of freelance too. The is just the fact of you, don't necessarily know what's coming tomorrow, next week, a month from now. And there's right. that, that level of faith of just knowing that it's going to be there. I, and if I were just doing quick math in my head and you threw some numbers out, regardless of which way someone goes, I heard that one could make 50, 60,000. I heard that one can do much better than that over time. And by, by bringing in the, in the efficiencies, at the same time, what I also heard is if that number is good for you, what you can do is work less hours and still make a really strong income. So to me, this seems like an amazing opportunity out there, and I would want to know about it. I, I actually have people in mind right now that I actually think would be interested about this, and I'm going to make sure I let them know about this episode once it posts. Um, so, you know, I'm looking at the clock. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. Is there any kind of last things you would say to that person who is interested here and they're saying, I would like to pursue this a little more? Is there any last nuggets of advice you would give before we end the show? I would encourage them to do it. I mean, it's, it is amazing. I kind of joke that I did interview for whenever I was the official reporter. And the only reason I, I quit that job because you hear Whenever you get that job, they like stay in them forever. Well, my husband got transferred to St. Louis, and that's why I I quit that job and I went back to freelance. But I joke that that's the only time I ever interviewed for a job. I essentially, when you are a court reporter and you have that certification from the state, you just go to an agency and say, "Here, I'm certified. Can I work?" And they're like, "Sure," because <laughs> the demand is so high for you. I mean, it's there isn't even really, I've never interviewed. If I, if there's an interview process, then I don't even know about it. It's essentially, they know that you can do the job by that certification and you can find a job immediately if you are willing to do freelance, which is what most people start off with anyway. So I would encourage anyone that is halfway interested to definitely look into it because there is such a need and it's, the job opportunities are, are just amazing. 
Awesome. Well, Erica, I want to thank you for taking time to share this with us and telling us about this role. I think it is a role that a lot of people are not even aware of or even know it exists. So for everyone who is now excited about this new opportunity, I just want to say thank you. All right. Well, thank you. I'm glad that I was able to contribute and that I hope that it brings some people into the profession. We need them. This program is only possible with the support of guests that care about helping others find their calling. If you or someone you know would be interested in sharing, please email us at cdl at stopclowningaround.com. When you're big and a little bit bolder, what do you want to?